Welcome to the Performance Pipeline, your dose of empowerment and the pipeline to inform your decisions on how you can support change in our education system. This is Lindsay, affectionately known as Miss Black. And I'm Howdy Hop, Mr. Broussard. If you're feeling networky, Lindsay, that's how I'm feeling this week. <laughs> I love it. You better add to Miriam Webster, baby. Yes, yes. So I, I'm feeling networking because I'm actually at South by Southwest EDU. And it Ooh. is the first time I've, I've been here. I've never been to South by Southwest. So um, I, I honestly don't know when South by Southwest was founded. But based off of the conversation I've been having since I've been here, it is pretty, fairly recent. I'm gonna say like within the last five to seven years. Mm-hmm. But the conference has been amazing. Just so many different opportunities to network with black professionals, as well as other folks um, who are trying to kind of get their name out there, get their brand out there. And so like, I just have, just feel appreciative that my company invested in me. Shout out to my supervisor, Jim, who was like, Jahai, you need to go to this. And I was like- I love that. Sounds good. Yeah, but it, in, in, in that part, because it's, it's always better when someone else is looking out for you and has your best interests at heart and you don't have to advocate because they're already, like, they're already a step ahead of you. And that's, and that, of course, that's how our relationship is. But to feel like you have somebody in the workplace that has your back is like another thing. But all that's to say, I am networking my behind off for real, for real, uh, just for the performance pipeline, for City Bridge, for all things that has to deal with like being a black male educator. So uh, I'm loving it. Yes, uh, come on, howdy. What's going on with you, boo? Yeah, I had no idea that they had an EDU. Um, and it has been nice to like receive your random text messages, like of yes. just links that I should look at. <laughs> you know, me, as soon as you send something, I'm like, okay, let me do it. I'm gonna ask my person later because he's busy. But I was most excited when you said we have to figure out how to get TRP at South by Southwest EDU. Yes. Um, and if you are listening and you know about any opportunities for TRP to expand, we're trying to elevate our brand. So if you know about grants that may fit us, uh, we are black women queer small business anything in those categories um please let us know we also would like to eventually i don't know if y'all y'all know about the roots picnic um music festival or i guess it's picnic music festival whatever they have a whole stage with just podcasts and when we talk about scaling and what we want our podcast to look like on a scalable level on a sizable level that's what we talk about. Like, right. yeah, we want everybody to listen, but these are also the spaces that we want to be in because that's in alignment with our mission of making education and what goes on within our education system a pop culture conversation. Exactly. So, y'all know of any opportunities, please let, let your girl know. Let Jahad know. And Jahad has been doing an excellent job networking at South by Southwest, but he has been doing a poor job <laughs> in his Wi-Fi network. That part. We, and uh, we had our Abbott Elementary live last night. Ooh. I mean, we got it to work. We got it to work. And if you have not been tuning into our lives, please do so. We started off Jihad. I haven't actually told you these numbers, but our first one, we had like 86 views. And our recent one, we got 250 views just from okay. last night. <laughs> Shout out to yes. us. Yes. Shout out to us. It's just a, I mean, I know we created the idea, but it's a bomb idea. Like y'all are watching Abbott Elementary. 
you should then um well it's kind of like when you go to your therapist you experience life outside of your therapist yes. your therapist that's a professional to help you actually process what you've learned that's us exactly Abbott elementary education therapist you watch Abbott elementary tune in on tuesdays at 8 30 eastern time on our instagram live mm-hmm. so that you can actually we can help you process what you've been learning what you've been seeing on Abbott elementary so please join us then and I also have to say, Lynn, shout out to you. And so shout out to Sonia as well for holding it down for the week that I wasn't here. And I was on, I was uh, getting back from the vacay. Uh, and, and I think I'm looking forward to having more guests on our Tuesday show. So like, if you are interested in being a guest, uh, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to have you on and so that you can share your perspective and reflect with us. And I was talking and, and getting in the chat or getting on folks in the chat uh, from yesterday. Uh, just about going ahead and being a lot more involved and active. Like, don't just come if you're just ready to just sit there into on the IG live and not say anything. Like, the some of the comments that we got yesterday were hilarious. Especially, I forgot, I forgot who what uh, the, his handle is, but someone was talking about um, the fact that teachers be loud and excited in the morning. Um, and, uh, and yeah. someone else was, t- I think Alex was talking about how Miss Howard was, uh, reminds him of a, a, a good old church lady. And so that's the type of energy that we want. We want y'all to talk about the same thoughts and ideas that you have in that show while you're watching that show. You know, you, you y'all know the people I'm talking to because I know that you'd be okay. having all types of thoughts mid episode and be wanting to get them out, write them down, come to our Tuesday IG live so that you can talk about all things Abbott Elementary with your Abbott Elementary therapist. So with that being said, uh, <laughs> what, what else you got going on, Lance? I mean, my only, my last thing, because um, I don't want to take up too much time, baby, because we're about to get into part two of Jihad's story, and I'm telling you, it's juicy. It's giving trauma and drama, baby. My last okay. thing. I'm good. I'm getting good at this. <laughs> Final thing. I actually applied for the student loan forgiveness through um, the federal government. And I got my personal student loans forgiven through the program. So I'm a debt-free shawty, okay? Yes, 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 yes. And shout out to you for being consistent with that. Shout out to to you for enduring what you endured. <laughs> let's also not forget that. Okay. And let's also have a quick little, this is a quick plug uh, for that man in that White House to go ahead and... <laughs> Actually, let me circle back because I saw what you voted on my uh, poll when it came to student loans about not <laughs> forgiveness. I was like, oh, so you can get yours done, but you ain't. <laughs> it don't matter to me. Everybody's talking about student loans, but I don't even speak that language no more, baby. <laughs> I cannot. I but... cannot relate. Sorry, not sorry. Free us. I will say it for us all. Free us. Please, please, please get rid of these student loans. Forgive these student loans. I heard that there are rumors that that man in the White House is thinking about signing an executive executive order that will do away with these student loans. So if that does happen, he may be on the winning team again. But right now, he in the doghouse. So until next time, I'm excited for y'all to hear about my story and we're excited for y'all to continue to make sure you're donating to this Indiegogo campaign. Uh, for now, we will see you at the end of this episode. Let us know your thoughts.
are jumping right into our segment for this episode, and our segment today is Terminology Time. If you've listened to us before, then you know that terminology time is the time that we explain a term that is commonly used within educators so that non-educators can also understand the term and we can level out that playing field with the differing languages that we have. So our term today is called a manipulative. What is a manipulative? You know, when I first heard the word, I was just like, I don't even understand how I could use my context clues to understand what it means. But a manipulative is something, a math manipulative specifically, is something that we use that is typically physical to understand and manipulate the brain to understand a certain math concept. And if you are following us on Instagram at the Reformist Pipeline, you know that we have a new math mini series. And we're talking about this new math, this common core math, whatever you know it to be. And one big piece with our new math is utilizing manipulatives. So if you are watching the new new math series, you are actually going to notice that I'm utilizing manipulatives. What could those be? They could be little blocks. Maybe in kindergarten, you're learning how to count by ones. And so you take a block, one, take another block, two, a physical object to help a student understand a concept. Or maybe you're in fourth grade and you guys are actually going to see this manipulative if you're following the reformist pipeline. Fraction bars fraction bars to truly teach us what a whole is and what a fraction of a whole is you are going to be able to see this manipulative at the reformist pipeline on instagram every thursday we are dropping a new concept about new math so you kind of got a little you kind of ahead of the game right now if you're listening right now and you understand what a manipulative is We're back. It's the concept development, the most important part. It's the meat of the episode, you guys. And today we are going to continue on to part two of Hottie's story. And if y'all tuned in last two weeks ago, last episode, I told you to bring your tea and your glass of wine. So we're going to pause to give you some time to go grab it because <laughs> it's juicy. <laughs> that part. That part, that part. Hold that on. Part. They, oh. didn't, they didn't grab it. Oh, they still need more time. And go. Go ahead, Chuck. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so we're back. We are back. Um, so I know that last episode we were talking about why I chose to teach, but there's definitely going to be a theme throughout this episode that you'll probably get towards the end. And it just is very kind of telling of my experience as an educator all the way to me being in the space that I'm in now. Um, I still do define myself as an educator, um, but I think that in addition to being an educator, I also have other passions. And one thing that I will say, and I think that people really should tap into and think about when they are, regardless of profession, I think that there is a passion and there is your purpose. And I think that my purpose is education and I'm supposed to be doing things within the education realm however my passion I think is talent acquisition and those types of things and unfortunately unfortunately I had to live through the experiences of being a teacher to understand that and to be able to separate the two and understand that I'm supposed to be working in my passion so that I can meet 
and do things that are within my purpose. And that was something that I really, really had to hone in on and do some thinking and reflecting about because I think for so long you're just taught that you're supposed to be giving back. You're supposed to just be doing service. You're supposed to be just doing, doing, doing. But at a certain point, you have to realize how are you funding these other extra endeavors that you're doing on the side? And so that was something that I wanted to kind of start the episode with because I feel like it's going to come about at the end of what we're going to be talking about today. You, something's on your mind, though. No, no, we're going. We gonna. <laughs> Passion and purpose. Okay, okay. Passion okay. and purpose. So, yeah, so year two. So at the beginning of year two, y'all, uh, I know that we left off to give you a quick recap. I had gotten that performance evaluation from year one and was told that I'm developing. And funny enough, I can tell you that jumping into my second year of teaching, I was given a title change. So my first year of teaching, I was a second grade literacy teacher and my second year of teaching, I was able to successfully out advocate to be the founding special education teacher. So schools use this term founding very, <laughs> very frequently. And basically, it just means that you're the first person in this role. And more, more importantly, it also can mean that um, there's a new grade band or excuse me, another grade that is going to be at the school. And because Lindsay and I taught at a school that was still growing, um, Lindsay was the first, or I'm kind of telling you a story a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) so Lindsay was teaching students that were the oldest in the school building. And so they were in third grade during my first year. And then my second year of teaching, I was teaching the third graders, which were my second grade from the prior year, and then the oldest students in the building. So third and fourth grade. And this looked... It was interesting because A, it was a a role that had never been done at the school. B, I had never been exposed to this curriculum, this content. And and C, it was a new role. So I was building all of this out, building it. (laughs) You know, founding teacher stands for guinea pig. Yes. That's what it is. That part. It stands for for yourself. I was also going to say, Liz, I want you to um, fill in the blank for this because I forget the ending to this. Building the plane as we fly it. What did Isaac say? King Isaac said, <laughs> "You know, we've in this these unprecedented times, we keep come, we keep saying we're building the plane as we're flying it, but that's not how a plane works. It isn't. <laughs> the plane does not work. It, it isn't, but in that way, at all. Terrible analogy. You Terrible. Idiots. Found the loophole. And go ahead and listen to um, our live show to to actually see that comment being made. Okay, it's on YouTube. Yes, the it Reformist is. Pipeline. Subscribe. Yes, it is." So yeah, so I was the founding special education teacher teaching grades three and four. Um, Definitely confused as to how I landed a new role when I was deemed developing, but here we are. (laughs) So I was excited about the new role anyways, and just kind of was hopeful to be in a year in which um, I was going to be developing the role out and and kind of trying to also have someone who was going to, I don't want to say report to me, but working on my SPED team and it was her first year teaching as well and so it was definitely a year um and what i mean by that is i was responsible for several high hour students and okay let me pop in because yes. even when i was looking at this i was like what the hell is a high hour but yes. i know a high hour is. yes 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 on their in their ieps they have a high amount of hours of services that they need outside of the classroom exactly and 
to go even further, we had a lot of students who were new to the school, period. And so in addition to the several higher students I already had, I also had additional new students who had high hours that we had never had any type of, the school period had never had any interactions with these students. So I came in thinking like, oh, we gonna have this down, like I'm gonna teach. But why would they, I know you can't discriminate yeah. and not have people come to the school, mm -hmm. but how come they weren't honest about what could be provided for their student, like mm. literally. I mean, I know you're gonna get. I'm. I am jumping the gun because no, no, no. This is good. I'm passionate. This is my purpose. God damn it. Yes. But I just. Yeah. No, you're right. It. It just. It, Especially if you're a developing teacher. Right. Or failing. Whatever the fuck mm. they say. Amen. But no, you're right. You're 100 percent right. And I do think back to that. Like you're a liability. You, Sorry. You're a liability. Yes. If you're a developing teacher and now they're putting you in front of faces of kids that have high hours. Go ahead, Todd. No, but because now I'm mad. No, but this is exactly how this episode is going to go, and I, I hate to sound ridiculous, but you're going to hear. You're going <laughs> to sound ridiculous. You're going to be even more mad. I'm sorry to say it. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like that was a position. This is what I was handed, and honestly, I was excited about the opportunity because I didn't want anybody else in that school building touching it because I right. knew that I was going to be more passionate about it than. Then some of the other folks, because I, I cared about special education, this was something that I, I like actually spent a lot of time like studying when I was in undergrad, and that was actually what I, honestly, I signed up to do with Teach for America. I was supposed to be placed as a special education teacher, and that was something that was never communicated about once I got to Ingenuity. Right. And so that was something that... I was like extremely adamant about because that was, a, that was the only content, like that was the only subject area that I selected. Because in addition to you selecting your location, you also select the subject that you want to teach. And I knew that special education was a high need area. And that was something that I wanted to do. So why they didn't select me to do that and why they forced me to be a literacy teacher, I do not know. But here we are. So... Jumping into year two, super excited. Uh, we're, we're feeling great. And I am dealing with a student who is in the fourth grade, but on a kindergarten reading level. And I'm dealing with another student who's kind of been at the school for some time. And he was in the fourth grade, but probably on like a first grade reading level. So not far from the other student that I mentioned. But in addition to that, there was another student. So these, now we're at three. He was a new student, and he also was in the fourth grade, but on a kindergarten reading level as well. Given that these students were both new, it took me to really, the first probably two to three months of me being at that, being uh, at, during that school year, was me trying to build a rapport with one of the students because he didn't trust teachers. He did not trust teachers. He did not trust people at all. And what I mean by that is he would show up to class and he would run out of the classroom just randomly. And honestly, I think it was just because of like him trying to avoid work because he could not read. Right. And because he switched schools so many different times, that was he didn't have the skill of learning how to meet a teacher and have conversations and see what their interests are and see mm -hmm. if there was any type, types of commonalities. And so that's what I was forced to do while also being the founding special education teacher for third and fourth grade. And so 
when it came time to performance evaluations, performance evaluations felt a little different for me because I'm like, we are, yes, it's mid-year based off of your performance evaluation cycle, but based off of where I'm at and my students' needs, I don't need to be evaluated on nothing because I am trying to, he, I just got him to barely be present in class. I'm just now getting him to sit down and make an effort on an assignment. And so these are things that folks outside of the school system don't typically get to hear yeah. because it it's all good and peachy when you have this scope and sequence and the school is telling you how you're supposed to be teaching the curriculum, the pacing calendar or the pace in which you're supposed to be going. But what about when that curriculum that you're supposed to be teaching isn't scaffolded properly for the students that you're teaching? Mm-hmm. And what about the fact that not only can it just the, the content was not accessible. And so in addition to me trying to scaffold lessons across all subjects, might I add, I'm now no longer. So like I said, I was a literacy teacher my first year. My second year, I'm the literacy teacher. I am the math teacher. And then they also were missing out on science and social studies because I think that that's a, in third, wait, third or fourth grade. They start taking uh, part for social studies. Probably fourth. Okay. Because I remember that that was something else that I was like, well, if how if I'm pulling them during these times, how are they not getting this? I think of science, actually. It may not have been social studies. The other thing that I want people to understand mm-hmm. about your story and how serious this is and how much work you had to do, we are not allowed to meet the kids where they're at in terms mm-hmm. of grade level. So if a child performs on a standardized test, you know, I was math, and they are in a second grade level for math, and I'm the fourth grade teacher, I still have to teach them the fourth grade stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to just teach them the second grade stuff, then the yeah. third grade stuff, then the fourth grade stuff. We're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And so rolling that into, you know, I hate these like, I don't hate, I don't hate them, but I hate the response of the teachers that like go viral and mm-hmm. no shade, but like PE teachers and shit. Yeah. And oh, they did all this fun stuff. And I'm just like, that is not always something like, Teachers do not have the auto- autonomy that y'all think we have exactly. to like do stuff because like Jihad is saying we get we can get evaluated and especially if the lessons are already built for us somebody coming in to evaluate us looking at the lesson and it should be exactly what it is exactly and so what ends up happening is that evaluation time is for me time for me to pretend and perform for you mm-hmm. even though you like my data yes. and I'm not doing what you asked me to do I've 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 tweaked it for myself and for my students mm-hmm. so I just want people to understand that when you're talking about they're in fourth grade and they're on a kindergarten level. Yes, you have to close the gap for three grades, but you have to close the gap for three grades with the lens of fourth grade. Right. And and that's what it was. Challenging is an understatement because of the fact in that type of setting, typically students who are that far behind, you it wouldn't just be me teaching them. It would be me and a TA so that when I'm working with somebody, working with one student, there's someone else who's still there to kind of redirect them and make sure that they're on task. Those resources weren't present because of the model that the school that I was working at was saying that they had, which was a station teaching, a co-teaching model. That was not the case for the special education environment that I was teaching in. And so it got to the point to where I demanded more resources. And that was the reason as to why they brought down another teacher who was literally upstairs uh, supposed to be supporting the resource room and brought them downstairs to help me teach not only the kids that I had who were kind of in a self-contained setting I was teaching them on a daily basis, but the other students who I was doing pushing and pull out with. So one teacher to be meeting all these hours for all of the third graders and all of the fourth graders. So these are the things that we 
don't get to talk about a lot. And now that I'm removed, I feel like the statute of limitations, like the, <laughs> I can break my silence. I'm free. Okay. But it, it's just, it's so unfortunate to be put in those types of situations and for you to be advocating, you to be speaking up and for the resources to be present and available, but them not being given to the departments that they, that the administrators feel like needed. And so let's get into like what my evaluation process looked like for that year, because Honestly, that was probably one of the, that was, this is the year that probably almost broke me and made me feel as if, is this, like, do I even need to be here anymore? Mm. And I think that I constantly think about that question of, like, what year was the year that made me quit? And I don't know when it came. I, I kind of feel like it was year one, year two, and year three. Like it was it, several different points in that time. I thought about like, is this it? Like, should I even really be doing this? But we get to the performance evaluation process. And like I said, I've built all the systems for special education for third and fourth grade. I'm building out schedules, just doing things that typically are already kind of set in stone um, for you as a teacher. And I would get my performance evaluation process or performance evaluation back and I was deemed an effective teacher. And this is, you're right, this is definitely a step up from developing. So you would probably presume that I should be excited about this. However, <laughs> however, I would later read the point. And so let me break down how a performance evaluation conversation even goes. Essentially, you sit down with your supervisor and you go line item by line item and the first you first you review your self kind of reflection of how you felt like you did as an educator and then you go over their scores of how they were how they reflected or how they uh, scored you um in comparison to what you scored yourself and then you look at your score in comparison to the highly effective scores the effective scores the developing scores and then the minimum minimally effective scores so we did all of that, and then I see that my score is within the effective range, like I said. But I will later realize that I am point zero one away from highly effective. I want to, I'm a math teacher. Please. One one hundredth. That is like you going to the store to buy something, hmm. and it's one cent. You're missing like one cent. That's hmm. what I want. I want to be very clear about. You're missing one cent. Carry on, John. <laughs> and, and and that that was it, it was something that felt like I was it snatched my soul. It snatched all of me from me because just as I was starting to feel good about the role that I was in, and yes, I know feeling good about a role that I was in, <laughs> building it out, <laughs> figuring it all out <laughs> as the the building's on fire, and trying to make it do with what I have and the resources that I do have, but. To be a part of an evaluation process that, that came and kind of just shook the table because it was extremely subjective, I can definitely look back and laugh at it now, but I was, I was torn. I was in a complete rock, between a rock and a hard place because I was missing out on 15000 potentially missing out on $15,000 based off of the way that the performance evaluation system worked and the stepladder worked. Because might I add, like I told y'all, you get a $7,500 bonus. And you also move up the stepladder. So it equated to like $15,000. So you're telling me that this was worth, <laughs> even though I built all these systems, 
even though I took all this time, effort, and energy in trying to build out uh, something, some type of like system for what special education needs to look like for a, a grade band that had never even had special education before, even with all of that, even with me sitting down and trying to learn this new, these two new students who were far below grade level in scaffolding, uh, literacy, as well as math curriculum to meet them where they were at. And then might I add, typically schools that have students that have these severe disabilities will have a specialized curriculum for them. That was not what was happening at the school that I was teaching at. So for me to have done all of these things and then for you to say that I am still not doing enough to get highly effective, I'm one one hundredth point away from highly effective, and that determined the trajectory of literally $15,000 and the, my career, to be honest. And, and so, like, I was fed up and I did say I need to have a conversation with my supervisor about this. So I went home and processed all of this. Who was your, who gave you the review, the evaluation? You're, you don't remember. Kate. Just keep going, Jahai. <laughs> <laughs> so, she said that, she really sat, sat you down and doubled down on that. She yes. really sat you down and doubled down on that. Yes, she did. And that's why I just... Girl, like, you don't even go here. I, that's why I You don't upset. cut my motherfucking checks. I'm like, why aren't you... Why are you not going to bat for me in this 1-100? And, and that's what frustrated me the most is to... to like, you, you aren't signing these checks at the end of the day. This money is not yours. Like, you are supposed to be advocating for me. And so for you to have even felt like you needed to put this in front of me and thought that this was going to be acceptable and thought that this was going to be okay... That's how you had me just all in a completely different headspace because for, for so long we had a, a, a phenomenal rapport. There was there was nothing that you felt as if I was doing that was egregious. In fact, you were telling me that the resources that were here were just not enough. And that she I was doing been that. saying that shit. She been comparing Ingenuity Pratt to E.L. Haynes. She had been doing that. I'm, I am, I forgot and it's just, see y'all I told you <laughs> that <laughs> This was going to be a good episode because I feel like I learned something new or something sticks. Yeah, more absolutely. Every time. Absolutely. And so it, I, of she's course, a math teacher and didn't understand, it, round, she didn't understand it, rounding. Exactly. She didn't understand rounding. Point zero one. I was like, wow. Girl, we learned that in third grade. Wow. <laughs> so from there, um, of course I, I told her, I said, well, I'm not going to settle for this. Absolutely. I want you to figure out what can be done. I think that y'all need to go back and recalculate this because something can't be right. So she went, and so I do appreciate her for doing that. I just wish she would have done that from. You appreciate her doing job. her job? Well, that's fair. She didn't get no fucking credit for doing her You're job. Right. You're right. You're right. That's and doing right. the dirty work of the people above. Right. Okay, right. keep going. No, you're right. I'm fired up. And so from there, um, like I said, she comes back. Wait, wait, stop. What was she SPED certified? Is she SPED certified? Not that I know of. So, you're telling me. Uh. <laughs> Let me get this straight. That the math teacher also, yes, she has worked before us. She came in the same year that we came into that school. Okay? Because she, she was a director of, I want to say math that year. I directly don't give a fuck. How about that? How about that? Yeah, you're right. You're Anyways. So she's not even SPED certified, mm -hmm. and you're a failing teacher. Mm -hmm. But you both, y'all both get to be in charge of a system that impacts the students that need it the most. Hmm. 
And then once you actually help the students, mm. you create all this stuff because you're creating a blueprint that they still use. Absolutely. You can't even get the $15,000 bonus? Hmm. After you never negotiated? Hmm. It's not like, oh, we already gave them money. Right. And I think that that was the worst part, too, is because I would later find out that I had a conversation, I want to say, with Kirk. And he told me one year, Aaron or Will or somebody had called him because he had forgot to sign his offer letter or his, like, Re, uh, what's the letter that you get at the end of the year to recommit to another year? I wouldn't know because I didn't get one of those letters at the end of that year, but I am all ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, he forgot to sign it and they threw more money at him. He literally just forgot to sign and it. Because he, he actually forgot. would literally forget Absolutely. to sign something. And so it. To hear that those were things, and I think I found this out later after like I mm. finished teaching or whatever, but to hear that those are the types of things that were going on, but you couldn't round my <laughs> point zero one of a point. For a system that you already created. Right. Y'all I don't I'm not aware of the we for I forgot to sign and I get money for not signing system. Okay. But y'all been explaining the evaluation system and the bonuses. So it gets better though. I'm sure. Yeah. I have my wine, y'all. It's a sweet red jam jar. <laughs> We're gonna need to get an ad from them. Uh, so, and then on top of that, we, I would later find out that I go to basically Kate tells tells me like, oh, like they're not budging. Like I just would recommend like you just go straight to them. And I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, but I, I'm gonna cut you off again. I'm so sorry. No, I really no, know it's your story, <laughs> but no, it just bothers me so much the like lack of collaboration and loyalty yeah. and respect that you have amongst educators. Because whatever position Kate had, she was a teacher with all of us. We, you came. Mm-hmm. You had to learn the ropes of a new school with all of us. Yeah. Why do I have to then ask you that to tell them to round it up? Right. You should have known that was gonna be a problem. You should have been able to sit across from me and be like, I did mention it. I'm going to go formally talk to them again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But maybe that's just that's just the type of person I am. And I just feel like there has to be unity amongst educators. I completely she, agree. She should not have had to sit you down and tell you. That. Th- what? Girl, you wasn't like, embarrassed. Right. And that also, like, to that point, that also makes me think that, like, for conversations like this, it should this should be a united front. You and I should be on the same team, and you should be riding ne- next to me on my side when I go to meet with Aaron's ass. Because you're my coach, and this reflects you, right? Absolutely. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm getting it right. Absolutely. She's the coach. Wouldn't it be better, would it look better for you to have somebody that you coached be highly effective? Hmm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. It's a win-win, it, but it's something it else up in there. It, it is. It's always something else. And that's exactly what I you would... You started, that's what I started to learn after this second time was like, there's something else that's going on. And so, of course, I started to think about there at this point, y'all are just fudging numbers because how it should be literally logistically impossible for somebody to get that close to that score like that logistically should not be able to happen. And so from there, I basically went to speak to the CEO of the organization and Asked for a meeting, got my meeting, sat down with him, and essentially told him how I felt. Mm-hmm. Undervalued, um, undervalued for me to have created this role and be the founding person in it. Um, to me, for me to have had the lack of support 
uh, the lack of resources for this department and for me to still have gotten this close and I'm still just a effective teacher to which she says that the reason why they can't round my score is because it would not be equitable. Spell equitable, Erin <laughs> Cooney. Spell equitable. Spell equitable, white man. That is the CEO of a school that services black children mm. in Ward 8. Mm. Tell me about equity, sir. Talk about it. Not be equitable. None of this shit is equitable. And I'm tired of corporations talking about, oh, we can't negotiate because that's not equitable. And then I'm finding out that you threw $20,000 at this black man because he's a science teacher and you wanted him. Hmm. Stop using that. It is so wrong and disgusting. Exactly. And very, it just violates. It's, it's, it's psychological terrorism to the people that are oppressed. Hmm. You talking about equity. Now. Y'all ain't never gave a fuck about no damn equity. Right. Go ahead, Jahat. And, and so from there, I just like, okay, well, this is fighting a losing battle. And uh, I was extremely frustrated with the facts of where I was. And I think that I will always say it was not about the money. It was about the principle. It was about the, the work. It was about the dedication. It was about the commitment. And might I add, like at this point, I had left Teach for America. And... I was only at that school because I was believing in the community that I was supporting. That was the only reason why I stayed for another year. I told these niggas to leave. We're going to get to that in a later episode. <laughs> but I, they will never live it down because I told them to leave. But go ahead. She did. She did. She I told y'all to get up out of there. She did tell us. But y'all like slavery. Okay. <laughs> but yes. So I, I definitely felt like a lack of value as this quote unquote asset to the organization. Um, they did not feel like they cared about me as an employee for them to sit there and say. Do you say, know the percentage of black male teachers hmm. and the percentage of black male special educators? I'm sure it's like 2%. Hmm. Y'all don't see that as a commodity? You don't see that? You utilize that to be equitable. And Why you keep having us do these DEI, diversity, inclu- uh, uh, whatever, I can't even say it, equity again, <laughs> and inclusion, but you're not making stuff equitable. They're not. They are not. They are not. They are not. They are not. And so, at, this is year two. And as you can tell, I said that I taught for three years, so you can only guess it. <laughs> I come back again. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, this year, I came in and with a completely different lens because now I'm at the point to where I, I'm feeling like I've been fucked over twice. And I'm in a space of, I'm out of the Hopkins program. I'm starting my, I had started my program at um, Howard at this point to get my master's in special education. Equitable. (laughs) Wow. Maybe that's going to be the term for it. Honestly. (laughs) Go ahead. Because I'm going to type it so I can wait. No, please. So then year three, y'all, I thought year two was bad. Year three was worse. And it was worse because there wasn't a system during my second year for placing students who we could not meet their needs. Mm-hmm. And it took me fighting for what was right 
to get more resources. <laughs> which is crazy to me. It's crazy because they could have used that fifteen thousand dollars they refused to give you and give and put it into resources. And this is the third year. Like you knew what we were working with the prior year. It could only get worse because numbers are what going to increase. And what I mean by that is so my third year, I'm teaching with an amazing black woman. This is uh, me and Nat's year. And we start the year off with so us boys. teaching in a she is. She really is. Um, we start the year off with teaching in a self contained setting with, I think originally our case level was like six or seven. Cool. That's, That's great. manageable for two teachers in a self-contained setting in which... And it's still a lot. It still is a lot because <laughs> these kids, these students had a lot of hours. That six or seven would then become 14 somehow. Children in self-contained or they just visited throughout the day? No, 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 no. This is majority of students who were going to be in that classroom. Well, they might as well just be in a regular classroom. Well, that's, uh, where, uh, that's the gag. That's where they were. Jeanette teachers were like... Hell no. <laughs> they need to go back. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to help our model. Yada, yada, yada. So from there, I literally had to call a meeting with the principal and the assistant principal at the time and tell them, like, I'm, we're not doing this. I'm speaking for the team at this point. We okay. are not doing this because, A, it's not fair to the students. Yeah. But, B, we're not going to be able to get anything done. At all. Get it's 14 there. students and then we didn't even have a traditional classroom. They converted. They converted. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was our our old staff lounge that they converted The first into, one that we ever had? No. Uh-uh. A different we're we're downstairs at this point. So it's a different, Oof. you know, they create and destroy and whatever. But I heard they got a window now though. A window? window. <laughs> All right. window. But so it's in this small room that should not be a room with 14 students. And like present day, if it was like COVID and us, like it would not like that would not have worked. It shouldn't have been legal then, but it, we <laughs> made it work for a couple of weeks. But all that to say to the point to where we would eventually go on and have to hire another teacher. And so that was when Atari came. And worked at IP. I think I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So I had met Atari during my grad program. Right. And was like, please. Because Atari's a boss. And she is. She She's is a indeed. Boss. She do what she do. She is it's indeed. purpose and passion with that one. And so that the, year three was definitely toxic in regards to the amount of students that we were serving. Um, the, the needs of these students. We had a nonverbal student at the beginning of the year who needed a dedicated aid that they didn't have one for, even though they had her IEP and knew that the student was nonverbal. And so that was a backfill that they had to hire for after the fact. How we got, it, it was just utter chaos, like utter chaos. We had to replace students, two students who were in the third grade into the K through two resource room because we just, we didn't have the capacity to meet their needs. And it was more developmentally appropriate. But that's how it's, that is how it's supposed to right. be. It should be everybody Absolutely. goes to where the need can be filled. Absolutely. Not you have everybody in here with hell and needs and two teachers. But, and this is what, what killed me. We had a director of special education. I was just about to ask. I'm like, Lindsay, shut up. We had a director of special education. So I do not understand why it was the case that these things fell through the cracks. 
you have the IPs. I don't, I don't get that. It made no sense. And so, oh. after all of this, we got to the space of just doing the best that we can, given what we had. <laughs> we, we did hire, we did get another hire. We were able to eventually split off into three separate classrooms so that we uh, were not all in one space. So it helped, but it still was a nightmare. It's not rooted in the children first. It was not. And that is what, that is the slavery. That's the slave slogan, slogan, excuse me, Mm -hmm. that admin in schools use. That's not student first. It's not. Like you're not even, you don't even care to listen to me advocate for my students because I'm speaking for them. And I damn sure got to speak for the nonverbal girl. Right. Yeah. But y'all didn't put her first. Her need was the most obvious. Literally, to me. And that was the craziest part. And, and literally, I quote, the reason why they didn't want to replace some of these students is because they didn't they didn't feel as if their needs would be met elsewhere. How you know that? And you worked at this one school. You taught Spanish to some Hispanic kids three years ago for a day. How the fuck would you know? You don't even live in this area. <laughs> Talk about it. You don't live in this area. How you know? You don't even know the little girl first and last name. You don't. You've never, you've never read her IEP. How you know? They don't know. Can get it somewhere else. Y'all are a growing and developing school. Right. You're adding a grade each year, and you think there's no other school across all of DC that has figured it out? None. There's literally school. Kip has the learning center. Wow. Yeah. The learning center is for students that have to be in self-contained, but all of a sudden there's no No other other place they could go. No other oh, all right. And these are the these are the things that I heard because I I was wondering I was like I'm getting taught in my sped class my master's courses that you're supposed to replace students and these are things that I knew but I'm just like like why aren't they why aren't they doing this I don't understand why it's not happening so all that's to say um, challenges is an understatement of what I experienced that year because I was teacher. I was lawyer, I was advocate, I was, you name it, I, I, I was a behavior support therapist. There were days in which I literally had to go to a hospital, a children's hospital, mm-hmm. because my student escalated consistently. There were days in which I left that school building damn near having an asthma attack because of the amount of chasing I had to do to make sure a kid wouldn't fly out and leave the school building and run into the street. Niggas gonna have to fly and that's around <laughs> me. <laughs> Catch me if you can, I think not. Literal days in which three of our students are tantruming at the same time during a fire drill. All three teachers are trying to de-escalate them or let them have their moment to calm down. And in which then the an administrator, excuse me, C-suite official, Will, supposed to escort them back into the classroom. We finally get all three kids de-escalated and walk back into the classroom. There's no adult in there with our kid. When you knew that we're dealing with three students who are in crisis. So when it comes to putting students first, I question that narrative when consistently you have it. And that's been the recurring theme throughout with special education at that school, which is why I say what I say. I'm like, should it be open? And so, like, I even question still to this day, like, yes, I see that there are three black women working there now in the C-suite, but why? Why? <laughs> why? Because I, I'm more so thinking now, like, are the, 
are they supposed to be the scapegoats at yes. this point? Yes. And that's what happens consistently. Like, we have... And, and so, like, let me get back to my story. So, like, when it comes to me thinking about leaving, I didn't think about leaving until this last thing that I'm going to mention. Because I really did believe that at this point, you fucked me over so many damn times, and I'm still hopeful that, that I can create change. Because you idiot, I, right? That part. <laughs> I'm just like, and, and then I think that it, it more so wasn't even about the school and the leaders. It was more so about this. Like I was legitimately, you can say that slogan, but like I actually believed in that slogan yeah. because I was actually the person who was doing the work, and I was actually the person who was going home and like having sleepless nights, like just so many different things that I can think back to and vividly remember. Like how the hell did I get here? Like I flew thousands of miles across the country, went to school, and I did not think that I would be in this predicament to where. I'm just questioning so much about myself and trying to about find yourself. myself in the process and just confused, depressed, anxious, can't even get mental health resources because I, I don't, I, I'm not diagnosed, I, I, they can't clinically diagnose me with something. It just was just so many different things that I'm experiencing that I'm trying to figure out as a, a person that's new to the workforce, mm -hmm. working a full-time job, mm -hmm. first uh, first generation college first generation college graduate like all these different things that you're trying trying to figure out money and like how to budget and it's just so many different things that you're trying to figure out in the midst of utter chaos is like the only way that i know how to describe it all that's to say that i got to the end of year three and i had a couple things on the table between atari and myself and i appreciate her like no other because woo. It was between her and someone else that kind of really pushed me over the edge to leave. Mm -hmm. And that was what got me to where I'm at today. And that reason was, at the end of year three, I said, if I'm going to continue to be here, I need to actually be put into a position in which I can be an agent of change. I can't do that in the classroom. And so I interviewed for a VP of special education role. I said at the beginning of this episode, I had started and was nearing the end of my master's of special education program at Howard. And so it was like the perfect transition into the VPS bedroll. They didn't have it figured out anyways. And like I said, I was already literally building out the department, literally building out systems anyways. So it just made sense to me. So you had the resume. The resume <laughs> the was there. And so I interviewed for the role. They were so excited that I interviewed for the role, it was at least what, is what they told me to my face. Um, and they would get back to me and say that I didn't get it. And they basically said that they didn't have the infrastructure in place to train me to be a leader. To which I called bullshit and said, all right, well. Y'all don't have the infrastructure to train anybody. That's my reason. And so from there. And how you do, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll say it. Say it. How do you not have the infrastructure to train? Y'all don't train people. <laughs> Stop it. It made no sense. You can do the same time. You don't train. I wasn't trained. Okay. We went to PDs. That didn't train us. You mean to tell me there's other vice principals in the building and y'all don't have the infrastructure to train me? That's what I was told. Even at the end of the year, right? Because it's still in the same school year. 
you couldn't figure out a way for me to like shadow, a way for me to meet up and plan. Like you didn't want to do it. And the other, the other purpose, other thing to it is that you're going to get a new person who you would have to train. Well, that's the kicker. Okay. The kicker is a new person that they got. He had not had any leadership experience. He was a white man. He had taught special education. I want to say, I think I had, I think I actually had more classroom teaching experience than he did. He didn't have a master's, I don't believe. That's how it happens. Um, and I think that that is really what put the nail in the coffin for me because it was just like, you still have not learned. <laughs> oh, y'all really don't care. Okay. You still have not learned. Got you will it. go find someone else from another city, another state. And bring that someone else, which is going to be a white man, into this black community with these black students that uh, a community of 99% per, of black students. And you still think that this man is more so equipped than me to not only teach, but also to lead the special education department. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me at all. And so with that, that was the agreement that Atari and myself made to each other is that if we don't get leadership positions at this school, we out. Okay, I'm outside. We out. And that is this, this, the decision that we made is to leave. And we would later find out the year after that they ended up teachers and new leaders who came in from other schools and started working at Ingenuity would stage a protest because special education students were not getting their um, required service hours. Um, and just all the things that we knew already. And it just finally was the case that a, a group of leaders were aligned and ready to walk out and kind of say enough is enough. And then that still would be kind of, in a way, silence because they have a board chair who's a past attorney who now has a lot of access to capital and access to resources to pay a lot of money to silence certain things. Mm-hmm. In the sense that very smart move, and so it, it calculate it, it. It just goes to show that a schools are a business, especially charter schools. And the reason as to why I left was it was for me. <laughs> I had to find myself. I started to go to therapy and started to realize that there was a lot of PTSD, lots of it, a lot like significant to the point to where. I, I don't know who I was those three years of teaching. And I, I think that we, I've centered this story about me, my, my teacher life and my teacher identity. There were a lot of personal aspects of me that I didn't even get into. And it just goes to show that that's what happens as an educator a lot. And I think that the majority of educators are experiencing, even present day, is you get into this space in which you are forced to be this person that you just don't even recognize at the end of your tenure in the classroom and that is not fair that is not you we are not deserving of that we are deserving of so much more we are deserving of peace we are deserving of happiness we are deserving of self-actualization we are deserving of humanization we are deserving of those things so that we can be our best selves not only for ourselves but for our family and like literally legitimately times in which i would call my parents and they would be they would be listening to uh a student tantruming because I, they're like, wait, what? Like, what is happening? What is going on? Chaos. And trying to explain those types of things to them because that was not the type of school environment that I was raised in. And 
transparently, it doesn't have to be this type of school environment that these kids have to be raised in. It's a school, school environment that these administrators are creating for these students. And so I just stopped by here to say that I left teaching because it was the best decision for myself. And I didn't have anything lined up. <laughs> I didn't have anything lined up. I went and I, you can call it interned or consulted for management leadership for tomorrow. And I was in a space in which I wasn't going to be doing the same thing and expecting different results. And I think that I stayed, I completely agree that I stayed for too long. However, I also realized that it put me into the space in which I am to where I'm at today. And I am very fortunate to just be passionate about the things that I do as well as just kind of awakened in the space of my purpose and knowing that they can be two different things. And I think that because, I don't know if it's because I'm black or what it is, but I just had this this, this selfless sense of drive about myself when it came to serving a community that I felt like I was doing as a teacher. But like, honestly, I, I've had to learn to repurpose that energy into a different space, which is why I do what I do on the Farmers Pipeline because I want it to be known that there are other educators that feel the same way that I do. There are other educators that probably feel even worse than I do. Mm -hmm. And that should, like I said, that should not be the case. And we as a community need to do a better job to support folks and make sure that they have the resources that they need. Make sure that they feel affirmed in the roles and things that they are doing. Make sure that you are, are investing like we think about those things that we we're talking about during the the first episode of this season we're talking about personal development plans not just about teaching outside of the teaching profession as well like we are people too people don't need to be career educators there are other passions and other things in which they can do while still being in a school but you can be a marketer while you're at a school you can be a recruiter while you're in a school and i've even heard it's crazy but i've heard of models in which there's folks who are able to take sabbaticals at certain schools. <laughs> there are, are folks who um, they, they do a, a station or, or a station or um, a role switching school where teachers serve as teachers for half the school year and for the other half of the year they serve as administrators so that there's shared responsibility and so that teachers will never forget or so that administrators will never forget what it feels like to be a teacher on the front line that's doing the work on the day in and day out. And I, I think that we, there are ways for us to be innovative and create change to where we're not doing the same thing just because of tradition made and just because of the past. Yeah, made up. So I like all I'm asking for is for this system to be literally shaken up. And let's start from scratch. Because what's, what's being done right now in the majority of schools in America, it, it's really not working. It's the reason why we have the gaps. There's the that's the reason why there's the uh, opportunity gap. It's not because students don't want to achieve. It's because we're allocating our resources to the wrong places at the wrong times and not investing in the right people to do this work. Hence the the people who are telling me that I, I can't get rounded up a point point zero one of a point because of equity. Hence the people who are 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 in school hall schoolway school building hallways not trying to de-escalate situations between parents even though this is the community that they're supposed to be serving but they can show up to the following meeting on a friday to tell us that they're here to do what's best for students 
there's needs to be more accountability and that was the reason why I left the profession is because that is something that lacks throughout and they love to point the finger at teachers when in fact it is not them and so when I see unions throughout the country speaking up and talking about oh it's time for us to to do what's best for us I believe believe teachers y'all please if there's something that you take away from this conversation believe in teachers believe the teachers because they know what's up they're doing the work they're showing up at 6 a.m. They're leaving at 6 p.m. or even later. Yeah. And showing up for doing that weekly for little to nothing, for pennies on the dollar. So all that's to say, the reason why I left teaching is because I I needed to relearn to love myself because I was getting into a space in which I was I was not. And I am so happy that I can say that I'm in a much better space. And voila. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So next week we'll have <laughs> something that's a little bit more <laughs> light. Yeah, we'll have something light, but we really hope that, you know, this story actually resonated with you. Yeah. Um, and there is obviously so many other things Jahat could have talked about, but like at in the, the grand scheme of things is that this is a pattern that's happening in all schools and it is something that needs to be fixed and if we don't continue to uplift teacher voice like we do with the reformist pipeline then our advocates and non-educators and other educators who aren't going through these things wouldn't be able to empower teachers to make decisions that are best for themselves and in return going to be best for students so all right And now it's time for our call to action. We're crowdfunding to raise just $4,000 to cover expenses to produce high-quality podcasts to enhance our social media marketing as well as our presence. And y'all, we want to put on another live show in order to uplift the voices of our educators. The link to donate, it's our Indiegogo crowdfunding link, will be located in the description. If you follow us on our social media pages, you will also find it in the, the bios. Peace, love, and light, y'all. Hootie-hoo!